So my father was the one who said, um, life is a marathon, not as a sprint. I think when I called him and you know thought that I just ruined my life. Um, and I realized at that time that I had a lot of um, timelines, really, you know, these really unrealistic timelines that I had. I felt that I had to be, you know, engaged by 25, married by, um, they might have been younger at the time. I think it was, you know, married at 25, children at 28. Um, you know, I really just had these ideas in my head of what I needed to be doing and at what time and that I, I felt like I was really behind. So I think it was at that moment that I just kind of let go of all these, you know, made up timelines and schedules. And, um, you know, I started my business at 35. I had I was married at 30, started my business at 35 and my children at 36. Um, and, and that that was the perfect schedule for me. Um, but I really had to, um, you know, to sort of put these very imaginary timelines behind me and, and, and realize that I was on my own schedule. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. For everyone listening and watching, we are here with Lauren Santo Domingo. She, I don't even know where to start. She co-founded Moda Operandi and now is the chief brand officer and then most recently the artistic director for the home collection at Tiffany & Co. And also a contributing editor at Vogue. And you have become somewhat of a, I would say, household name in the fashion industry. So we are so honored to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you. Did I miss anything? How do you introduce yourself usually? Um, I usually just say I'm Lauren Santo Domingo. I'm one of those people I introduce myself unless you're like a, um, a, a close family or friend. I always say my name. I always assume the other person doesn't know who I am. I hate when people say hello and then I have no idea who they are. So my, I, I always say my first and last name. I think that's fair. And I also forgot another important part. You have two children and are a mother. So on top of all of that. And they'll probably be in here like any minute storming in. Oh, good. We expect nothing less. We want the the raw footage. Um, You are clearly very accomplished. Can you tell us a little bit about what led you to your career path, what it's been like since being at Tiffany & Co., kind of just a little bit of background for those who don't know. So I grew up in Connecticut. I went to USC, um, University of Southern California, um, and I studied history. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I had done some modeling and summer vacations, and I um, I had one experience. Um, I worked a bunch in high school for this magazine called Sassy Magazine. And there was this really legendary editor named Andrea Linne. And she, um, you know, she was just a real, um, you know, she was a legend. And it was always such a privilege to work for her. And I always thought that what she did was was incredible. Um, you know, she would have the cameraman, the lighting, the hair, the makeup, the prop designer, everyone sort of, you know, really, she would have a vision and she would get everyone to really follow and execute her vision. And she, you know, she had a very clear idea of what image she wanted and trying to, um, you know, get this whole group of people together to really execute her vision 
Um, I was just always really inspired by that. And, you know, I don't think I knew what I, what I wanted to do. Um, but I definitely learned a lot from, from watching her and that if you really believe in something, um, even if it's something as silly as a, you know, an, an image, um, if it's something you really believe in, getting people to come along for the ride with you um, and helping along the way is is really important. What led you to Moda Operandi and so on and so forth? Yeah, so that was my first experience. So I knew I really wanted to work in fashion, but I didn't really know how. I moved to New York City and um, there was a job opening at Vogue. There was actually a couple. I applied for a few spots that I did not get um, probably rightfully so. Um, at the time I was going out a lot and, um, I was, you know, really enjoying New York City. It was probably, um, you know, not the greatest hire at that time. <laughs> um, so eventually there was a good fit in the market department at Vogue that really suited me. And, um, and I think from then on, I knew exactly, I knew that I wanted to be in fashion. I knew that this was the world. I loved fashion. I, I felt like it was a, um, an industry that was really run by women, um, for women, by women. And it was just an environment that I, I felt like I, I thrived in and I belonged in and with the right amount of work, um, and focus, um, that it was world, which I could accomplish something. Working at Vogue, I really had a really unique access to fashion, to runway shows, to fashion, to fashion designers and ateliers. And, um, I realized that that was such a, um, such a rare and a rarefied opportunity. And I really wanted to share that. I loved this world and I wanted to share it with other people. Um, I felt so lucky to be a part of it, but I, um, you know, I realized that there were so many people that just didn't have the access that I had. And I think, um, I am just by nature, I am a, an over sharer. Um, and I think that nothing is really good until it's shared. In starting Modaparandi, what I really wanted to do was to bring the runway and these designers um, to other women and give them the access um, to the runway and also to just share in the excitement um, and the beauty and the, you know, the thrilling nature of this industry that is so dynamic. Every season it's changing and there's always something new coming down the runway to get excited about. Um, and I felt like in the the current format of fashion, you know, once a month, it just didn't capture the excitement that I felt day in, day out working at Vogue. And I, I wanted that experience for for everyone to really, people to really feel it and feel like they were really a part of it. I love that. And so now you're at Tiffany & Co. also. How has that been? Um, Tiffany's great. I mean, I had, um, we'd been doing a moda for about the last six years. We've been doing a home collection um tabletop and home decor accessories and things like that um have a great team for the last six years and um um you know we've been really doing some beautiful things so when the opportunity came about at um at tiffany to to help them with their creative on um tabletop and and, and accessories i was um i was delighted and it's been incredible i mean tiffany for me is a such an iconic name. It's a brand that I really grew up with before I, it was definitely the first luxury brand, um, that I knew, um, that I was exposed to as an American woman. For me, that was, you know, the brand with the most heritage and the, the most, uh, iconic in my mind. So 
it's been really exciting to watch um to watch it come into itself and to be reinvigorated in this way and to um to really be full of modernity but also really lean into that heritage so um it's been an exciting project there's an incredible team there and increasing momentum um you know a lot of excitement and enthusiasm you know we have a iconic brands they're not just in france and italy and you know tiffany is really is our luxury brand and I'm super proud of to be a part of it it's so cool such an incredible opportunity do you what would you say has been your biggest challenge in your career so far? What was one of those challenging times you've had? The world of e-commerce is is quite new. Um, when we launched 12 years ago, there were very few before us. So a lot of times um, hiring talent when you're looking at people's resumes and things, you know, it was impossible to find people that had been doing this for a very long time. Um yeah. And so I think almost everything that we've done, um, we're learning as we go along, um, and having to, to really adapt. Um, I think in some ways that was good for me because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And, um, there weren't a lot of people out there able to tell me that I was doing something wrong. Cause at that point, there really wasn't a right way of doing anything. Um, so that was quite liberating, um, in a way. But then also, you know, I think the most exciting at the same time. So. The whole question of the show, I'm really excited to hear your answer, but what is the best advice that you feel you've ever gotten? The best advice that I ever received was um, the old adage that life is a um, marathon and not a sprint. Um, And there was a time in my career, I was working at Vogue and I was offered a job at a iconic, one of the world's most prestigious fashion brands to work in their marketing and communications office um, and a pretty senior position. I was maybe 27 at the time. Um, and I was not, um, I was not ready to take that job. Um, and I had went through a series of, of interviews and I was very nervous and I felt like it was one of those things that this opportunity will only come um, once in my life. And I had you know, past every level of interview. And when I finally made it in front of the CEO and I, I just, I knew that I, I wouldn't be able to do the job that, that was expected of me. I didn't have the skill set. Um, my French was not as good as I had said on my CV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of technical, a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of Excel budget. Uh, there would be headcount. I, w- I would have been way over my skis. And, um, and I, and I looked at her and I, and I told her and I, I, I turned it down. I said, I'm not ready to take this job. Um, I want to have a really long career in fashion. And if I blow this now, you know, that's it for me. And, um, you know, she was really taken aback and she said, most people would come in here and, you know, fake it till they make it. And I really respect that. So my father was the one who said, um, life is a marathon, not as a sprint. I think when I called him and you know thought that I just ruined my life. Um, and I realized at that time that I had a lot of um, timelines, really, you know, these really unrealistic timelines that I had. I felt, and I don't know where they came from. I felt that I had to be, you know, engaged by 25, married by, um, they might have been younger at the time. I think it was, you know, married at 25, children at 28, um, 
you know, I really just had these ideas in my head of what I needed to be doing and at what time and that I, I felt like I was really behind. Um, and that I was, I was, you know, that I, I wasn't, you know, on schedule. And I really realized at that moment, um, you know, I'd always done things a little, a little, a little slow. I'd, I've always taken my time and really wanted to understand or improve before I move on to the next thing. And, um, so I think it was at that moment that I just kind of let go of all these, you know, made up timelines and schedules. And, um, you know, I started my business at 35. I had, I was married at 30, started my business at 35, had my children at 36. Um, and, and that, that was the perfect schedule for me. Um, but I really had to, um, you know, to sort of put these very imaginary timelines behind me and, and, and realize that I was on my own schedule, um, and, uh, you know, create a more realistic timeline for myself. I think that is such an inspiring story. I, it's true. You rarely hear of people who get an opportunity and turn it down. I feel like the message usually is like, say yes to everything. Like if you say yes to everything, you're opening doors. And I, feel like anyone, any kind of like business coach would tell you like, just take the job and you'll learn as you go. So was it just like a real gut instinct that you were like, no, this isn't right for me? When I took the job at Vogue, I struggled for a minute. Um, it's hard. It's demanding. It's time consuming. It's really high pressure. And it it took me a minute to uh, to to settle in and to really, you know, get the ropes. And I like to think by the end of it, I was one of the best market editors that ever came through <laughs> those doors. But it took I'm me sure a minute. I'm sure you were. It took me a minute. And I, I just realized that I don't want to put myself in situations where, um, I'm going to be struggling to keep up. Um, and I want to, I want to be, whenever I take on the next chapter, I want to feel really ready. I think, I think life is hard enough. Um, and, uh, playing catch up or, or just, you know, feeling, feeling overwhelmed or, you know, there's some things you can manage and some things you can fake and some things you can't. Um, but yeah, it was really my instinct. And my instinct was that I wanted to work in this industry for a very long time. And I wanted to be a valued member. Um, and I didn't want to, to blow it. Um, yeah. and I thought that if I take this position that is just, I'm not suited for, um, you know, I could burn some bridges and, and maybe, you know, hurt my reputation and it, and and if I'm not doing a great job, that that could actually limit me in the future, um, more so than than not taking it. Absolutely, I think that's such a mature decision that probably most people wouldn't really have the foresight to make. Um, I love that advice too. Have you felt like with motherhood, especially? I feel like those timelines just follow us throughout our lives. Those expectations of what we should be doing at certain times, then it becomes what your kids should be doing at certain times. Have you felt like you needed to break those timelines with motherhood as well? Well, you know, I figured out I was I was dating my husband for like seven years, and every single person would ask me, "When are you getting engaged? When are you getting engaged?" And you know, I felt a lot of pressure from that. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I put that pressure on my husband. Um, and I put, I put that on him. And then, you know, I kind of figured it all out because, because the second I got engaged, the next question is, well, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? And then I don't think I was married for five minutes before, well, when are you having a baby? When are you having a baby? 
When are you having so the next true. baby? Where's your baby going to school? Where and it's so I realize it just never ends. Um, and that it really it's not pressure. It's just it's just small talk, you know. It's like asking how the weather is. No one no, I don't need to change my whole entire life um around these comments. It's you know, someone might as well be asking, um, you know, what did you have for dinner? It's it's not real. And um, but I only figured that out until I think it was when I was you know, happily married that I started the getting the, when are you having a baby question? Um, and that's when I realized like, this is just never going to end and it will be, you know, then where's your child going to school? Where are they working? When are they getting married? When are they having children? When are you having grandkids? So you just realize it's going to follow you forever. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's sort of a, an imaginary, an imaginary pressure, um, that, you know, I just sort of realized it's not, it's not real. Yeah, I love that. It's just small talk. I feel like it's just it's just a framework we've created as a society, mm-hmm. as every society does, to have certain like time, uh, certain uh, milestones that everyone mm-hmm. follows. Mm-hmm. But I love it because I feel like now more and more people are saying, "No, like screw it. Like we're not we're not going to follow those same milestones at the same time, the same way." Yeah, I'm not going to fall for that. <laughs> no, no, and I love that. I uh, do you have? A worst piece of advice that you've ever gotten? I was going to say, you know, the fake it till you make it. Um, I, I, you know, I ask questions. If I don't know something, I am the first one to ask a question. If someone knows m- something more than me, I'm amazed and I want to, I want to know everything you know and I will ask you. Um, and I think that faking it can sometimes really get in the way of growth. Um, and I think there's something, um, I've, I've just, I've always been very transparent about what I know and what I don't know. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm bad at. I mean, sometimes I think I'm self-aware, um, to a fault. I'm like, I suffer from self-awareness. Uh, but I think just being, you know, I think that can be, um, you know, at least in my, in, in, in my experience, um, that thinking it, you're really not going to learn, you're not going to learn as much as if you just sometimes come in and, and ask for help, um, ask to, ask to have things explained to you, um, you know, to really learn, to, to learn in a meaningful way, as opposed to just, you know, absorbing what you can as quickly as possible and, and until, you know, <laughs> until you're found out. I love that because I feel like people would think it was, that was like the motto you go by. In the fashion industry, I feel like from what I've seen on the outside and I like, I had some experiences. I thought I wanted to be in fashion when I was in college. I did PR and I was like, I want to be in fashion PR. And the little experience I had, it seemed like everyone was just, not everyone, but the the sample that I saw was like, everyone was kind of trying to be a little bit cooler than each other and seemed like they kind of had it a little bit more figured out and they knew something that everyone else didn't. And so... I find that such like a humble stance to take considering you're in an industry that a lot of people would say is quote unquote, like all about faking it till you make it. It was just assumed that you knew nothing and that it would take a lifetime to learn what, you know, the greats knew. Um, yeah. It was Grace Coddington or Anna Wintour. It was, you know, it was assumed that you knew nothing. Um, and you were lucky if you could ever learn, um, you know, to, to even to have the opportunity to learn. So I think there was maybe something in that where not knowing anything was, there was no shame in it. Um, th- we were expected that if we knew something, I mean, it would be a shock. It would take a lifetime to know the references and to have the experience. Um, 
so I, I felt no shame in, in not knowing. We weren't expected to know any. We were expected to to learn everything as quick, you know, as quickly as we could. But there was no shame in not knowing anything. In fact, I remember at once Grace Connington said she wanted to do some story, and she was using Peter Lindbergh as a reference, and um, and everyone got really excited and ran off. And so, I, oh, so we're doing a aviator themed shoot. Um, what? I'm like, yeah, you know, Peter Lindbergh, the pilot, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a black and white photographer that shoots with backdrops on the beach. You know, like you're an idiot. <laughs> um, but you know, there's no, no one, uh, you know, it's, it's not expected that you would plop out of, you know, be a 21 year old assistant and, and be like totally familiar with everyone's body of work. You know, have you found that same trend nowadays or do you feel like people kind of want to act a little bit more like they do know? more than they do. I hope people around me know more than I do. Um, I mean, I have honestly, like the people in my office are much smarter, much more clever. Um, <laughs> and if I'm ever, you know, I have a joke with my friends, if we're ever the, you know, the coolest, um, the most popular or the smartest person in the room, then we're in the wrong room. I'm very content uh, not knowing everything and, and hoping I can learn from people around me. I love that. What advice would you give to someone, potentially a younger woman who is trying to start a career, whether that's in fashion or any type of career, and who is just having a hard time figuring out where to start? An exercise that we all sort of did at Vogue was that it was really important that everyone knew what job they wanted. We all started with the same job, um, but it was really it was important that everyone knew what job they wanted and where they were going to go. Um, it's like a professional, um, manifestation. Um, and, and, and I had, so I always really followed that. I always knew what the next step was. I always knew what that role looked like. Um, even if I didn't know how to get there, I knew what it was that I wanted to do. Um, and just kept that really clear, um, in my, in my mind. And, and I think that's followed me every step of the way. Um, that I always knew what I, what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I think it was, I was working for, um, you know, I worked for after I had been an assistant, I'd been an editor, I'd been a stylist and I, you know, there was, it was really what, what was next. Um, I was working, I think having worked with Anna and with, um, Carolina Herrera, Mrs. Herrera. And, you know, somewhat like that sassy, somewhat like, you know, the editor, um, magazine editor I, I, I met when I was young, they were just so in charge of their domain. Um, and I knew that whatever I, um, whatever I, I did, that if I could just sort of channel that energy of, of, of being a leader and getting people really bought into my vision and to what I wanted to, um, to achieve, that that was what I needed, um. Uh, that I needed people to come along with me for the ride to help me do this, to do this with me. Um, and I saw, you know, Anna and Mrs. Herrera had very clear visions. Um, and, um, but it was really incredibly talented and hardworking people, um, around them, um, that, that, that helped them do it. I love that. Did Anna Wintour or Carolina Herrera ever give you a piece of advice that you have always remembered or any of the fashion giants that you've worked with? I think from Anna, I learned that everyone you're going to meet um, along the way 
that you're going to end up working with them or for them um, someday. So to treat everyone uh, along the way as your um, as your ally, um, I think people probably have this misconception that Vogue is like it was an incredibly you know maybe catty or competitive place, but it wasn't. It was very there was a very strong camaraderie, a very strong shared vision, um, and um, a really great uh, you know and it's somewhat professionally nurturing and stimulating environment. Um, so I think I learned that from her. Um, and from Mrs. Herrera, um, she used to give me a hard time. I would always come into the office with a coffee, um, like a coffee in a paper cup. <laughs> and um, she taught me that coffee is meant to be drunk um, from a, a coffee cup. A uh, mug. A mug, a mug, exactly. Um, and um, so I think she just really helped me understand to just always put forward the best version of yourself. That's beautiful. Okay, last question to finish this beautiful conversation off, but do you have a favorite quote or a mantra or something that you remember kind of on a daily basis that gets you through tough times maybe? I mean, get in, loser. We're going shopping is something <laughs> like my, is my Roman empire. Think about it a lot. That's perfect. Um, but I think my the real motto that um that I always have in the back of my head um is why be boring. Um so whether it's if I'm getting dressed um and yet can put on the you know the simple black dress um you know I say why be boring and you know maybe I'll put on something more fun or pair it with a silly bag or a you know sparkly shoe or maybe I'll change the dress altogether. Um if I'm invited to a party and I'm feeling lazy and, um, you know, maybe not so inclined to go, I'll say, why be boring? I'll go. And, and so I think, you know, why be boring is, is, um, you know, if I'm ever really hard on someone, cause I think they're really boring. And so I don't want to be boring myself. Do I love that. Be fun. be fun. Be silly. Be ridiculous. Just don't be boring. I love it. It reminds you of this Marilyn Monroe quote, I'm paraphrasing, but it says something to the effect of, I'd rather be utterly outrageous than utterly boring. Yes. I agree. Yes, she said it I better. agree. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think that's a beautiful sentiment. Um, Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time to come chat with us and sharing your beautiful wisdom. And you're so eloquent and well-spoken. And this was just a wonderful conversation. Tell us where everyone can go to keep up with your work, to support you and your companies and your brand. And I would say modaoperandi.com to get the most exciting um, fashion from the runways of New York and London and Paris. And then I'm on Instagram at um, the LSD. Such an iconic username. You <laughs> really just nailed it there. Thank like you that. so, so much for joining us, Lauren. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And to all of our listeners and those watching, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, The Shift. And thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.